On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will break down the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale and all of the excellence it had to offer for fans of Star Wars stories. They'll then talk about what a potential second season could explore based on a new interview from Stuart Beattie, who initially wrote the Kenobi movie script. Cal Kestis in Star Wars Celebration 2023 will also get some love today. Yes, the Milk Toast Jedi. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artists. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, it is time for the Star Wars Time Show. Woo! No, I'm not on any hillbilly crack. I've actually kind of stopped the old oxy these past few days. If you've not been around, uh, I, I jacked my leg pretty well about three weeks ago almost and had surgery and have been laid up for about two and a half weeks now. And it's just like, ugh. Start starting to wear on me a little bit, Nick, but I, I have tried to cut down that hillbilly heroin just so I don't develop another addiction. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, uh, that's a but, good good call. For but sure. life definitely isn't as enjoyable when I had both of my legs. And you know, I'm not, we're not here for a pity party. I know there are plenty of people out there that have way worse off situations than I'm dealing with right now. That's not the point. So. If you're one of those people that's like, hey, just suck it up. It could always be worse. I, I, I get it, but it's nothing I really care like care to hear right now. So yeah. just let Still me be. Make a, it easy. Yeah, Still just let me be a little whiny bitch. It's all right. It sucks. I've blown my whole summer. I'm losing a, a year of summer with my young kid who's six. She'll be seven next year and definitely will not like me and want to hang out with me. So <laughs> I had myself a little bit of a pity party this morning after my, my morning crutch to the dumper. I was just kind of standing there with uh, my shorts down because you can't really pull your shorts up too easily after you take a shit when you're in crutches. And I just, you know, I, I had myself a little man cry. A little, wah, wah, woe is me. I have a broken leg. I have to sit in the basement all fucking day until they wheel me out on the deck and then I go back to sleep there. Rinse and repeat, wah. But oh well. We've got Star Wars to talk about. We have current Star Wars to talk about. So today is going to be a good day. At least these few moments that we do to Star Wars time show, then I'll go back into my uh, deep, dark depression. So yeah, we, we, we've got Star Wars to talk. Obviously, we're going to put the Kenobi series to bed thanks to the airing of the finale last week, which was fucking titties. Unless you've become a Martin Scorsese of the Star Wars universe and, and think that the production value uh, just killed everything for you. But hey, I guess to each their own. I don't really get that view on Star Wars. As I've always said on this humble little show, Star Wars is about story for me. As long as the story's there, the visual Wars, delivery Wars doesn't matter. About visuals, as soon as episode two opened with Anakin Skywalker jumping off of a yellow cab-colored speeder, floating through a fully digital green screen <laughs> air, and then eventually driving through an electric fence where the, <laughs> the special effects and the acting were so bad 
that there were audible laughter happening in theaters around the country. So yeah. I'll just put so, it that way. It's all good. It's all like I'm not here. I, I just my give a fuck meter on on dealing with people that just hate Star Wars these days. It's it's tapped out. So who cares? I really don't care. If you hated Kenobi, you know what? I I, I feel bad for you because I, I do think it had a lot to offer to uh, both young and old Star Wars fans. Uh, over the, the the six parts that they delivered. I, for one, think it told a coherent tale, and it definitely took Kenobi from the depressed, PTSD, cave-dwelling, spice-snorting, Qui-Gon-not-reaching motherfucker that we saw in episode one to the confident, mythos-Kenobi, figure-costume-wearing, hello-there-saying, Qui-Gon-training motherfucker that we're going to get to see again in A New Hope, so... Yeah. Mission accomplished, as George W. Bush said many years ago <laughs> yeah. on that aircraft carrier. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I think the uh, most interesting thing about this show is that we saw Kenobi turn into somebody that we didn't know that he ever was. You know, at, a the, bomb. at the end of. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, and and uh, are you talking at the end or at the beginning? No, like at, at the end of the series, like when he when he says to I mean, we'll just get into it now, like. When he says to Owen, like, hey, you guys can right. take care of, of Luke now. You don't need me. Like, we were always under the impression before the Kenobi series that episode three ended. He hits the desert and he just sits there. He just sits there until we see him again uh, 19 years later in the beginning of A New Hope. We never knew that Kenobi had the adventures that we've seen so far through season one of, of the show. We never knew that that he even opened himself up to the force and allowed himself to do the types of things that we saw him do in this final in this final episode. Like we it was always the assumption that he hit the desert and that was it. And to see him not only go from this broken man at the end of episode three, who essentially shuts himself off from the force. We see him turn into, like you said, this confident person who who has a feeling that who now has a feeling that he can make a difference, that he can do yeah. things to better the galaxy. And we never knew that that character had that, you know, that yeah, art, I, I, that I love art. it. I love it. And that's what we talked about going into this is like I, I, I thought or we I think we both thought it would be very interesting to see this take on this. Who, as he's been portrayed, seems like a steel trap mind type of guy. Like, nothing rattles Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I mean, from the moment you meet him as a Padawan in The Phantom Menace until the end of Rots, yeah, he gets a little rattled over the, the Anakin shit, but he still thinks he does his duty and ends delivering Luke to the Lars family. Uh, never would you think that guy, the General Kenobi of the Clone Wars that served Princess Leia's father would become a shell of himself and, and essentially tell those that he used to protect to go fuck themselves. I'm not your guy. And that's yep. exactly what he said in episode one to the Organas. That guy is dead. I am Ben. I'm here to just kind of rot in a cave and look over young Skywalker. And um, I, I appreciated that take on the character. It really kind of humanized him and, and showed that even someone, even a character like General Kenobi, Jedi Master, could be mentally broken to the point where he was a shell of himself 
Yeah. Just like a lot of us go through. Hell, I'm going through it right now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to put on my best face. But there are moments I just want to fucking jump off a bridge. And, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we got to see that kind of play out over the, the six episodes and him kind of reconnect with the living force and figure his shit out and what he needs to do moving forward by the end of episode six. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, and he's still broken. You know, we, we you, all of the development and growth and, and, and character strides that he's taken in this series, he's still broken. And you could see that at the end. You could see that at the end of that battle with Anakin. He knows what he's got to do, just like he knew what he had to do at the end of episode three, but he still could not bring himself to do it. He knew that if he, he could cut Vader's head off right there, he could have done it. He could have been done with it. Yeah, there, there's a but lot of people complaining about that, but for the character, Obi-Wan is not a killer. I mean, that's yeah. just, that, that's who he is. I mean, plot, plot armor aside, I mean, our, uh, Vader had to live. Yeah. I never did I ever think that Obi-Wan would be able to strike down Vader out of passion and, and, and revenge and anger. That's just that is the antithesis of antithesis, whatever the hell word. Yeah. yeah, antithesis of what <laughs> Kenobi is. So that, that yeah. didn't bother me at all. And I think what really made that scene, I don't, I don't want to go too far into it, was just the emotions that, that Ewan pulled off in addition exactly. to what Hayden was doing. But let, let, let's save that for once we get to the moment-by-moment breakdown. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall impressions, or if you want to call it a review of the finale, it, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, w- it was fast-paced. It gave us two narratives to follow that, that kind of stuck to to the beats of each other. They almost mirrored each other. I like the back and forth between Reva and the Larses and then Obi-Wan and Vader. And then they all come together at the end to have a powwow. And then, uh, Nick, I don't know how, how you felt when you just watched it, but it, it was kind of like we, we almost got the Return of the King ending, which I, I appreciated <laughs> because it, it, it tied up every little fucking bow that you could want. I mean, the only tour he didn't make was to go check on Roken and Haja to see yeah. how they were doing. Outside of that, I think we got nice little bow ties on on everything. We got a almost like a a, a Vader epilogue. We got yeah. a and then Kenobi and Leia epilogue, and then the ultimate epilogue where he finally gets to see his master again and, and go off to work. So yeah, uh, and then you know the we'll, we'll get into it, but that duel was just a a thing of Star Wars oh. excellence. I mean, beautiful. You can't you can't ask for anything more than that. I mean, I, I do. I really I feel bad for people that got caught so much caught up in the visuals and they let that ruin these story beats because what those two dudes did on the volume with Vader's other stunt doubles and and suit wearers and whatever the fuck you want to call them was it's it's everything I could ask for as a Star Wars fan. It it, it scratched every fucking itch. I had when it came to these two dueling again and seeing how we get to that point in a new hope where Vader is brazen enough to say, hey, when we last met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And you got to see that. Yeah. yeah. As much I mean, as Vader got- was toying with Kenobi throughout this series, once Kenobi regained that connection and became Jedi Master Obi-Wan, you saw Vader didn't have a fucking chance a chance so 
Love the I finale. Uh, we'll be talking about a, a potential second season here, Johnny, in a bit. We actually have a, a story with some meat to it, I think, based on the guy that had a hand in writing the series. So we'll get there. But uh, I, I'm definitely all for a season two telling another nice contained story that is going to move Kenobi even closer to uh, the version we saw in The New Hope. So, Nick, how about you? What was your overall review of the finale here? Well, once he comes back, we'll get that. So there's his um, first drop of the day. Perfect timing right when I was about to cut over to him. Uh, He usually calls in fairly quickly here. Here he comes. See what you you get on the live stream? And the live stream is just so much more dynamic. Number Uh, one. First There's number the one, day. so we just got to get through one more, then we, we should be good to go. So it happened, we'll Nick, right, right when I was kicking it to you. What, what was your yeah. overall review of the finale episode? Uh-oh. There it is again. <laughs> and he's gone again, people! Take the bets. Who won? Who had the over? Who had the under? Uh, this is hilarious. Uh, so once he comes back here, we'll, we'll get Nick's review. But uh, if you're in the live stream and want to throw me a comment and I could talk about it, let's go ahead and do it. Here okay. he is. So that's, the, that's the two banger. I, I asked for it and I got it early. So hopefully it is out of your computer system and, and we can move on. So we'll see. what say you about episode six, my friend? What, what say me? So what I say is, in, in my opinion, and again, like this, this show is, is totally based off of Matt. Matt's opinion, in my opinion. So, in my opinion, I think that the finale of Kenobi was one of the best pieces of Star Wars content that's come out since TFA or since Rogue One. I mean, it's up to you how, how you know, which one you rank higher. But I think that this season finale alone was just a masterful piece of Star Wars storytelling. And, you know, I know that there are, you know, it's in no way perfect. I don't think that any piece of Star Wars content or any piece of content out there is perfect. Um, But I think that what makes Star Wars Star Wars is the emotional connection that you have to the characters and the emotional connection that the characters have to each other. And when when that's not present in a piece of Star Wars content, it just doesn't feel the same. Um, And there was so much charged emotional content that that just drew you into these character stories even reva like i am dying to see what happens next with reva i i want to see how her story continues i think that deborah chow did a masterful job closing out this series and i think and and for my money i think that kenobi is so far the best single season of star wars tv that we've had so far i mean oh it's a big uh, and look, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't care to debate about, oh, well, <laughs> the picture quality or didn't, doesn't that look weird? Like, again, I'm not a cinematographer. It's not my trade. It's not my profession. So it's not, you know, like I don't even, you know, I didn't find anything in that particular last episode that was egregious in terms of what I saw. You mean um, you don't want to burn down the volume technology now because you think it's being overused? I mean, I don't even know what particular parts that people would have problems with. But then again, I don't really care because I'm looking at Star Wars from the lens of like storytelling and character growth. And oh, stuff like is that. that that's why you watch Star Wars? That, that's kind of why I watch it. Okay. I mean, yeah, me, me too. It's, the, it's a lot more fun that way. I've found than than picking apart every fucking 
aspect of filmmaking, but hey, who are yeah. we to who are we to judge? So, but you know, I mean, that, if that's what some people how some people want to look at it, that's that's totally fine. I mean, they have their own lens that they view it through, and we have our own lens that we view it through. But I just thought it was masterful storytelling, and I'm excited for a potential season two. I'm excited to see where the story goes after this, because even though they could end this series and have, you know, very few problems to deal with in terms of narrative leading into episode four, they've set it up to where they can tell more stories and it makes oh, yeah. sense. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And we'll get there. I don't, I don't want to go too far into season two speculations until our, our next topic, but I, I think the Stuart Beatty fellow who was initially brought on to cre- create the Kenobi movie, and he was actually credited in the series because Joby used a lot of the, a lot of the tone and, and narrative that that Beatty was going with. Uh, in fact, Beatty was credited as a writer in episodes one through three and the finale. So he he definitely was was connected to this at some point in time before the the solo travesty. Not that I love solo. It's it's the travesty part is that they decided to not make any more spinoff movies after that bombed at the box office. Uh, but after that, that's when, you know, Stewart's treatment kind of got scrapped in favor of the Disney Plus route. But he has ideas on where things were going to go, because apparently this Kenobi movie was going to be a trilogy. So there's your tease. That's coming up. Uh, but now let's get into our deep dive of the Obi-Wan Kenobi part six finale. Uh, kind of like we've been doing the past few weeks, we're just going to look through the screenshots in chronological order and and discuss what was going on or if there was any sort of Easter egg of note that you may have missed or that I missed. I know I got a lot of uh, shit thrown my way that I, I did not include the fact that Obi-Wan said, I shall do what I must uh, during their second duel, which was a callback to the same thing he mm-hmm. said on Mustafar. Uh, You win some, you lose some in this game, Nick. So uh, the the one thing I do want to remind everyone of, if you are watching the stream right now and you're not subbed to the channel, please go ahead and take care of that for us quickly. Just look down there, hit subscribe, turn on notifications, because I am a content creation king right now. It might not be good content, but I'm churning the shit out as I sit down on my Jabba the Hutt throne every day in between doing real life work and uh, not wanting to uh, kind of choke on a barrel of a gun. So uh, check that shit out on YouTube. Just did a short on the whole Stuart Beattie Kenobi season two stuff. And like I said, if you're on the stream and you see the videos we're about to go through, those are on YouTube as well. Would love that support. Thumbs up, comments, share them with your friends. You know what to do, Johnny. You know what to do. All right, Nick, so uh, uh, kind of getting in the, the opening of the series, and at least from an Easter egg perspective or a mere perspective, did you not find that, that opening moment of them chasing Roken and the Jabim faction to be very similar, at least visually, to Vader's destroyer hunting down Leia's Tanti Four at the beginning of A New oh, Hope? Yeah. I mean, even I mean, the ship itself had a similar design. Yeah. Um, broken ship. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was... That was definitely call back to the, the opening of episode especially the one of the shots where you know we the camera was facing both ships and you see the roken ship in the front and vader's destroyer in the back yeah uh, i i just could not not see the the opening of a new hope so i i, I like that little nod there for sure um 
the next little moment I have here that I, I kind of appreciated, uh, not so much uh, an, an Easter egg, but another moment between Ben and young Leia. And the moment I'm talking about is early on when they're on the ship and, you know, Obi-Wan's realizing what he's going to have to do to save these people. And, you know, young Leia with all the empathy that she has. I mean, she has like 50 year old empathy at this point in time, <laughs> goes up to the old guy and gives him Lola and is like, hey, man, it's making these other people feel safe, these kids. So I, I want you to have it to keep you safe. And it just it just shows the compassion and empathy that the character of Leia had, even at that young age. And just any moment between Ewan and Vivian, in my opinion, was just choice, like two thumbs yeah. up. Uh, these two work so well together. I really hope the world for that little actress and that she does not get caught up in the washing machine of being young and famous in Hollywood. Uh, not so much becoming a crackhead, more just having her career disappear because she started out so strong at such a young age. But just, I mean, just beautiful stuff. And don't worry, we have me- uh, at least another two scenes to talk about with these two. Uh, moving on with, with the episode here, we, we get into the duel, right? And, you know, I, I kind of like the setup. I, I'm not sure, Nick, I... A part of me thinks they just went back to Jabim at night. You know, I, I, this was not a Mustafar moon like, like we initially thought based on the leak. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the, the, the look of this planet, especially when they both headed towards it from space, looked just like Jabim when uh, we saw them headed there in previous episodes. So I, I, I'm just guessing it wasn't mentioned in the episode itself, but I just, I loved the the visuals of it all like the the the, the, yeah. the meeting and those wide shots and you know them doing their little their little speeches and shit talking and then obi-wan here as an easter egg finally settling back into his form here i believe this is called soresu right yeah. the old two finger point um but it's just i i, I mean I know people think the visuals looked like garbage, but I, I love the way they presented the opening of the duel and uh, how it did kind of resemble what you'd see in samurai films or westerns. Uh, you, you're almost w- uh, waiting for a tumbleweed to kind of skirt yeah. past the screen during some of those wide shots. For sure. Uh, but yeah. I, I just I just love the opening of the duel and how it was presented visually. Yeah, um, I agree. So... Some other things of note here, uh, you know, let's just stick on the duel since that's, I, I think I just kept all the, the screens in order. Um, obviously, the duel from an action uh, lens, I, th- I think, looked great. I haven't talked to stunt people to see if they thought it was shitty. We do have an exclusive. Spencer reached out to uh, our buddy Nick Gallard and asked him about the flashback scenes in episode five. <laughs> oh, what did he say? Did he- ah, it's fantastic. Nick replied with one word, sloppy, period. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, fucking A, man. No stunt person likes what other people do. So, uh, but yeah, Nick Gillard, the the stunt coordinator, fight choreographer of the prequels who created that, that look essentially said the flashback moments in episode five were sloppy, but uh, we'll we'll leave that. Can you imagine (laughs) though? Can you imagine being Nick and being like, look, 
you should have just brought me back. Like if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna try to emulate my right. style that I created for the prequels, oh, I, I, dude, I, I tasted yeah. the salt through the email, and and he he deserves to say what he he wants oh, yeah. to say. I mean, he created that Star Wars style of fighting, and if he thought someone else did it in a sloppy manner, then so be it. I don't think he was talking about his two trainees at one point in time, because I, I still think those Hayden and Ewan both looked like they. They got right back on their lightsaber bikes, if you will, right? I mean, it, it didn't look like it took much to kind of fall back into using those things like pimps. But yeah, Nick Gillard thought the fighting in episode five was sloppy. You sloppy. heard it here first. We've got the quote. Uh, but kind of moving on with, with the fight here. I mean, it looked great. And, and obviously at the, at the outset, Vader would still kind of had the upper hand. That, he, that rage he can channel... Uh, was was giving him the high ground. In fact, yeah, literally. he gave himself the fucking high ground when we saw him go Force Unleashed and kind of punch the ground and cave in where uh, Obi-Wan was standing to send him to the low ground. So uh, I, I'm surprised. Nick, I'm glad he didn't say who has the high ground now. But I'm also yeah. surprised they didn't try to cram that in. Were you? Were, I, were you thinking I, I was, when you saw him up there looking down, were you thinking like, uh-oh, is he going to say something about the high ground? Dude, 100%. 100% <laughs> did I, th- I thought for sure he was going to say something about the high ground. But I'm glad that, I'm, as you said, I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that they left it at that. Um, yeah. I, I almost feel like Deborah Chow went to Filoni and was like, hey, man, Give me something that Vader can do <laughs> that we haven't seen him do yet. And then give me something that Kenobi can do that we haven't seen him do yet. Yeah. Yeah. And they used it great. I mean, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Vader gets the high ground, but doesn't call it. So I called it yeah. for him as, a, as an Easter egg or at least a reference to the other movie. Uh, but like, like Nick said, this is where the fight to me just Picked went up. times a thousand. When, when Obi-Wan is, he's buried under all those fucking rocks and things are looking dire. But then he, that, that to me, Nick, this was his final test, his final challenge, the final wall he had to break through to regain full Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's down there and he, he's hearing, you know, thoughts from his past, thoughts from the present. And he's finally like, okay, motherfucker, I can do this shit. I am Obi motherfucking Wan Kenobi. And he blasts all the rocks out, jumps out of the pit, comes behind Vader after Vader, you know, is, is ready to say all too easy, right? Just like he yeah. said when he was facing Luke on, on Bespin. But no, Jedi Master Kenobi is back and he raises those rocks and just pelts his former apprentice with unbridled anger coming from a Jedi. And then he goes into, I, it, it, Nick, for me, it wasn't even the rock stuff. It's, it's when he goes into the melee combat and systematically dismantles his suit. Yeah, I mean, literally he's, just hitting him with the butt of the lightsaber right in the fucking the control panel. Yeah, his panel just like, pop, just pop, 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 pop. Mm. And you hear, you hear that familiar yeah. wheezing that Wheeze. we heard uh, yeah. Lord Vader going through at the end of Revenge of the Sith when he was getting his armor. Or when we heard at the end of Return of the, the Jedi Return after the Jedi. his armor had been damaged, that, that labored breathing, that... Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, man, he is just kicking the piss out of him. And then you get it. You get the moment that we told you was coming. 
And I know it was a different side of the helmet, and I know a lot of you have seen that one quote from, hey, isn't it crazy that Ahsoka cut off the left of his helmet and Obi-Wan cut off his right, but it was his son that was the one that removed the whole helmet? It's like, okay, yeah, all right. You guys are deep, okay? Good, good for you. But it, it, to me, it wasn't so much cutting the helmet. It was the, the dialogue that took place. After the helmet cut, Nick, this is where it was just like, you could sit there and just pinch my nipples, okay? <laughs> this was peak Star Wars. The moment these, that Anakin's face is revealed, and you hear, you look at Ewan McGregor's face, and you see that pain and sorrow. Yeah. When, when he apologizes, again, he's like, I'm sorry, Anakin. And then Anakin comes back with, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. As he's fucking smiling at him. Yeah. Hayden Christensen for a Golden Globe, an Emmy, something. Please. I told you this motherfucker could act. He just needed the right situation and director. Yep. Th- that Nick, to me, the the sadness on Ewan's, and then contrasted to the the demonic admission from Hayden's Anakin. Does it get better than that in Star Wars? Oh, does it, it was, get better than that? It was incredible. I mean, it was it was a heartbreakingly beautiful moment, and for like you know, it was at that moment too when when Obi Wan knew that he couldn't just like he couldn't finish it on Mustafar, he couldn't finish it now. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Anakin is gone. I mean, he, he goes, Anakin yeah. is gone. I, I love, I think what I love the most, Nick, is it, it starts to make old Obi-Wan not look like such a fucking from a certain point of view motherfucker anymore. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. he told Luke exactly what Luke's dad just told him. Like, listen, dude, this wasn't your fault. I killed Anakin Skywalker. And that's exactly what he ends up telling Luke. And I know a lot of us, especially after the prequels, are like, you know, with What's this crazy old coot saying now? And George kind of ruined some of his own canon. But look, look what can happen with these series and the gaps that kind of can get fleshed in. So uh, and then the way it ended, Nick, was probably my favorite, because if you've noticed throughout the series, Obi-Wan still refers to him as Anakin. He doesn't call him Vader or this or that. But after Anakin's demonic admission that, hey, it's not your fault, it's not your failure, I killed him, Anakin is gone. It's the first time, and this is when he turns around to leave him in suffering, that Obi-Wan says, goodbye, Darth. Yeah. Goodbye, Darth. I mean, it was he always just... calls him Darth. I mean, even in A New Hope, I think he just calls him Darth. I don't think he ever even goes to Vader. It's just always Darth. So as a fan, seeing that, seeing uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi finally come to grips with, you know what? This isn't my fault. This is Darth's fault. This is, this is not Anakin Skywalker anymore. This is Darth. Yeah. I love seeing that. I mean, it's little shit, but I love seeing that type of stuff. Yeah. No, it was a fantastic moment between those two. And I mean, that's the kind of, like, that duel and not only just the fight, but the emotions that came from the fight. And I think that is, like, like I said in the beginning, you know, that's the most important thing in Star Wars is the emotional connection between the characters. And I think that Deborah and the writers, Joby and, and everybody else who, who helped write this really nailed that. Like they understood what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. 
And I mean, that, that goes all the way back to what George Lucas said when he still owned it. When George always said Star Wars about family. And if there's, I mean, you could argue that there's blood ties and actual family bonds that are at play here, but there's no tie at this time period in, in the galaxy that is stronger than, than Anakin, Obi-Wan, you know, like these two are inexorably linked together. Yeah, They're the first dyad without being a true dyad. You know, if we, you know, we, we, we like to keep all star Wars in here. We like the, the chronology and the connective tissue, uh, they they were they were kind of like a dyad, and and I think that was we know they're not based on the definition used in Tross, but I mean even even in the series in the early episodes when when Obi Wan would speak Anakin's name, Anakin would hear it through the Force and wake yeah. up in his back to tank. So I mean, as Nick said, they they there there was no bigger connection or or, or no. No other two characters in Star Wars had a bond like these two. So seeing as Cheeseburger Teddy is saying here in the live stream that Obi-Wan finally coming to acceptance 10 years later of the grief he felt over the fall of Anakin Skywalker, which, I mean, it's just, it's grade A Star Wars storytelling, uh, whatever you think about the visuals. I mean, come on. What, what else do you want besides, you know, maybe Vader to come out of the screen and give you a reach around? <laughs> I don't know what else you want, man. So... Um, I, I, I love that. I mean, just, just live action battle damage Vader. I mean, that, that's a treat in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but the emotions of the scene, the words being said, I mean, Anakin is gone. I am what remains. And ha- Nick, how did you like the choice to have it, his voice modulate between the, his, his voice box and Hayden's actual voice? I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, perfect. It's perfect, you know? Because you're hearing, I mean, yes, there is a practical reason behind that, but you're hearing both sides of a broken man. You're hearing the side that is this more man than or more machine than man monster, but you're also hearing the emotion of the man. You're hearing the the pain and the suffering that has led the Anakin Skywalker to become Darth Vader. So having those two voices kind of intermingle was awesome i I mean i I thought it was a a great choice great stylistic choice if you will and it it really hammered home like yeah i mean this this is there is no anakin skywalker Uh, that motherfucker probably truly did die shortly after he was put in that armor Uh, I, i don't think he was dead yet he was still in a bit of shock but uh, you know, the first lesson with Palpatine in the comics definitely snapped him into it, where he essentially sent him to die to go get a lightsaber. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it was great. It was great to see 10 years later just the, the damage that has been done to this once heroic Jedi, not master, just knight. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's great. And then we, we the, the ending there that, you know, I saw some people take umbrage with and we addressed it earlier. I just, Obi-Wan Kenobi's not a, a murderer. I mean, the. Uh, the closest thing he came to killing was was probably General Grievous, and yeah. that was just shooting a meat sack and droid parts. So uh, it just—that's not—I don't know. I—I I, I mean, I guess we could even yell at at Mace Windu for wanting to murder Palpatine. I mean, Anakin did kind of have a point, as did Mace Windu. Like, we can't let him live, but it's not the Jedi way to just murder motherfuckers without trials. That, I, I, I'm not saying that with Obi-Wan and Vader, but it, obviously plot armor, Vader wasn't going to die here. But I, it just never, 
I, I never saw Obi-Wan killing Vader, even when he had him beaten. I think it was yeah. more like, you know, I it's kind of like, fuck you, you suck, see you later, just, we'll, we'll meet again. Just look at his, his response and his reaction when the duel in Rebels went down, when he kills, when he kills Maul, like... It's very he's, hesitant. I mean, he, he like, does it out of defense. Like, I think, yeah, yeah. you're right. The, the only way he kills is in f- f- pure defense, but he, his opponent was beaten, so he's not just going to fucking kill a, yeah, he's not gonna a kill beaten him. man. And not only that, like, look at the way he treated Maul after the, the fatal wound. Like, he held him in his hands like a baby. Yeah. And, and literally, like, comforted him till his dying breath. Like, you know, reassuring him that this kid is... The chosen one. This is the one that will that will bring the the force back into right. balance. I mean, like, and that was Kenobi's mortal enemy. I mean, Kenobi the, Maul killed Qui Gon. Maul tried to kill Kenobi multiple times. Killed I mean, his woman. Killed Satine yeah, killed right Satine. in front of him. Like, if there was anybody that that Kenobi would have a vengeful type of stance towards, it's Maul. And on Maul's deathbed, Kenobi is embracing him and comforting him. Until his dying breath. Do you think that he's just going to wantonly kill his best friend? I mean, regardless of what the circumstance is, like he still sees Anakin in there. That entire time until he walked away, he referred to him as Anakin, like you said. He's not just going to cut his head off because the battle. Right. Yeah, like, like you lose, bitch, and then just spins yeah, around like, and chops his head off and goes, like if woo! You, if you know anything about Give me about some Jamba juice. <laughs> yeah. If you know anything about the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, even if it, even if it wasn't plot armor, he still wouldn't have killed him. Right. It's, it's, and he here's does the not deal. have that in him. Like, Nick, let me, let me try to break it down. Because, you know, some people are like, well, if he just would have killed him, the Empire would have been over. It's like, no. Darth Vader was never the Empire. That, that's Palpatine. Yes, exactly. Palpatine would have found another tool of tear. That, all Vader was was a tool of tear for, the, for Palpatine. That's it. Yeah. He wasn't the driving force behind the vision of the Empire. That was the Dark Lord, the Sith, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Sidious. And not don't Vader. forget that Sidious actively was trying to find people to replace Vader anyway. Yes, yes. Like, Just, he, in the comics, he's, yes, he's recruiting, he's finding, he's, he's, he's pulling in all of these different people to literally try to get this motherfucker off of his hand. Right. He's I, like, I mean, look, people, as soon as the end of Empire Strikes Back, Palpatine systematically amputated Vader down to just his body again and dropped him on Mustafar where he yeah. found him at the end of Revenge of the Sith and said, good luck. If you yeah, can get I mean, back to me, then, then we can work together again. Otherwise, I'm sending people to kill you. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it was literally like the moment in fucking Rocky Four where Drago's <laughs> like, if he dies, he dies. Like, I yeah. don't care. Like, it is right. what it is. So, because I, I, I know some people are like, well, Obi-Wan could have said, no, no, he wouldn't have really stopped anything. I mean, Darth Vader, yeah, if you really want to get detailed, okay, we needed him to toss him into the fucking reactor, but y- y- it doesn't matter. I, I, it ended perfectly. In fact, I loved it. it to me, Nick, it mirrored... The whole Darth Maul obsession with Kenobi at the end when Anakin is almost crying out, Obi-Wan! Just yeah. like Maul when he when he finally got to Tatooine goes, Kenobi! It's like their obsession with this guy is what blinds them and ultimately leads to their failure as we learned last week when we, we kind of got those lessons Obi-Wan was trying to give 
Anakin as a as a Padawan. Like your your desire to win is why you're always going to fail, and your desire to show off is why you're always going to fail. And it happened again here. So I, I love that. It, it to me, it was worse for Darth Vader to be left alive by his mortal enemy than to be killed. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's I mean, why Obi-Wan did it. So you just, I mean, look at, look at the pain he was screaming out in the anger, like, you motherfucker, you kicked my ass and you're leaving me here. So great stuff. Yeah. No, the, the whole duel was just so masterfully done. And I, I will say one thing too, for those of you out there who have played Star Wars, the old Republic, the move that Kenobi does with the rocks, like just like constantly, that's a, that is one of the Jedi uh, sorcerers moves in uh, the right. the game, so I thought that they're was tap good. tapping in. They're tapping in. Uh, uh, re- responding here to Potteroid's podcast. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Anakin was becoming more and more Vader throughout the years after Mustafar. I think he finally became a hundred percent Vader on this series. Yeah, I, I would, yeah. I, I would, I would agree. I think it, it, in that moment we just talked about when he when Anakin says it out loud, I think that not only confirms it for Obi-Wan, but it confirmed it in Anakin's or now Darth's heart that, yeah, that, that character is dead. Darth Vader is all that remains. Uh, and, and it also mirrors some stuff that you'll hear Vader say to his son in the original trilogy when he's like, listen, man, Obi-Wan once thought as you did it, it, it ain't happening. Like I'm, I am Darth Vader. Anakin Skywalker is dead. I killed him. So Great, great stuff there. All right, so that, yeah. that's it on the duel. Moving into, uh, really, Reva's arc, which I also enjoyed and felt like it mirrored Anakin's arc during Revenge of the Sith. In fact, it was dead nuts on. Does she choose to become a, a murderer of children like Anakin Skywalker did? Or does she choose to put down her blade and become a better person? So uh, before we get there, though, yeah, I... I I did appreciate that the Larses became kind of like the John Wicks of Star Wars and had their their hovel all decked out for yeah. home defense against a, a force user. You know what Dude, I mean? I, I, th- <laughs> I thought it was great. But the, what I really love was I love Baru didn't have many lines in this, but like right. she had one line that I think really hit Owen to his core. And he's like, it, it, it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, they're getting the guns and, you know, o- Owen gets there and he's like, she's coming. We got to get ready. And, um, no, and he's he like, says, we got to run. He's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. No. Yeah. So like Baru shows the initiative, but it was something like, he says <laughs> something about like Kenobi's not here. And she's like, yeah, are you happy? Yeah. It's or basically like, like, yeah, that. it's your fault, dickhead. It's like, it's your fault that he's gone. <laughs> he was our protector. Yeah, Baru is a boss. You, I mean, you can tell yeah. Baru runs that fucking homestead. Yeah. That, that's, that's why when we see Owen again in A New Hope, he's, he's even more crotchety and angry because yeah. he knows that Baru runs that roost. She rules it, in <laughs> fact. But yeah, so she's really, like, yeah. She, she like pops on the hovel and fucking a, a section comes out and they're pulling out all these like blaster shotguns and, and other uh, weapons of death. Yeah, so just so much shit everywhere. I mean, they're, <laughs> they, they're, they're, he's got fucking pipes. He's got everything. Yeah, they're ready Anything to roll. that he can throw at her. Hiding um, in nooks and crannies all over the place. So, <laughs> hey, we, we even got to see a little bit more of the Lars Homestead, a.k.a. Yeah. Luke Skywalker's childhood home. So that was cool, Indeed. too. But yeah, it, it was the it was the direct mirroring. I mean, you could see it as Luke was laying there not unconscious 
she's thinking back to what she saw with Anakin coming towards her as a kid and him actually yeah. killing motherfucking kids. And as she brings it up to strike, that's where her light side kicks back in and, and she makes the choice that Anakin could not. And that yeah. was to lay down her weapon and not murder kids. Yeah. Um, therefore leading to the completion of her arc, which ends with her and Obi-Wan in a great moment in the desert where... You know, he could say, hey, you're a fucking idiot. You deserve to die. But he's not. He didn't. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. He says, listen, it, it's your choice now on who you want to be. Yeah. As they, as they bury the blade in the sands of Tatooine. Which at this point, Nick, like if you're someone that's, that's living in Ray's era and, and you're trying to find collectibles to sell to motherfuckers at high, high prices, you need to go to Tatooine with a metal oh, yeah. detector and start digging up some lightsabers because there's a you bunch of them laying around. Three, three lightsabers <laughs> all just around the fucking Lars homestead. From, the, from the greatest characters. I mean, you, you'd yeah. be like, yo, I've got Anakin Skywalker's original lightsaber yeah. with Ray's mods. I've got Princess yeah. Leia's uh, lightsaber. Yeah. And now we've got Reva yeah. the Inquisitor's <laughs> dual-bladed lightsaber for a limited time only. I Come mean, to fuck, Matt Ondar's store. Yeah, that's a, that's a treasure trove. But, but um, do, do you it, feel, I mean... I don't want to get into the season two stuff yet, but clearly yeah. the way Reva's arc ends here sets her up to be a potential character in another season if they do go that route. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I don't think I always made the draw, the comparison or not always, but, you know, in the last episode, I made the comparison between her and Ventress, Asajj Ventress from Clone Wars. And it's a I good think one, that too. The, I think it's even more spot on now. Yeah, now it's now it's like really kind of hitting that same that same note. And there's so many different avenues for her to go on now. I mean, like somebody of her talents, um, you know, force talents, whether you choose to be a, a bounty hunter, if you choose to be, a, there's a host of different things out there for her to do. And I really am interested to see if they follow her character more. And, you know, if there is a season two, if she is going to be a part of it, does she help the formation of the rebel alliance that, you know, that's something that we still haven't seen yet. We still, you know, there's the path. We know that that was probably where it stemmed from with broken in the path, but the, the actual formation of the rebel alliance, seeing how this, this, these separated cells come together under one banner to actually put forth an effort to go after the empire and to take down this regime. Like there's so much that you can see happening right. in this show. Because by the time we get to Rebels, the Rebel Alliance is already there. The, the right. Rebel Alliance is already formed. Yeah, so by the end, still, it, it truly becomes the Alliance. At the beginning of Rebels, you, you still got Phoenix Squadron and Mothma's yeah. Squad and, and Saul's Squad. But by the end, that Alliance could, forms and we, and we see it come Rogue One in, in full in full in action. In full effect. Yeah. And Nick, I mean, I'm actually, but, I, I, if she does make it into season two, I think she is naturally suited to join Roken in, in the path because their main charge is saving Force sensitives and a lot of them are children. I think to her, that, that's going to give her the redemption she's probably looking for. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, she has potential based on the way the arc ended. I, I think Moses did a great job. It sucks she had to take it from some Nazis at the, at the onset of the series. But I believe in the end, she she definitely showcased well. And I think she even put out on her socials like, <laughs> and don't quote me on this, but something like, eat that, motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> suck it. 
you know that show kicked ass regardless of how big of a racist piece of shit you were. So kudos to Reva and Moses, and, and I definitely think uh, plenty potential to move into a second season. Yeah. Uh, all right, so kind of heading towards the end of the episode on the Return of the King tour. You know, we got multiple epilogues, if you will. Real quick, we'll give props a mention here. It looks like he's... He's getting in over at Cameo, getting into some sort of autograph and signings program, and he snagged the Darth Vader team. So check him out at SW Props on Instagram. Him and Super Scoundrel, they are the Cameo Commandos delivering celebrities to your fingertips. All right? Not a paid advertisement either. Justin, I'll Venmo you after the show, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'll send you the invoice. But um, back to kind of an Easter eggy thing here. Seeing Leia kind of, I, I love the moment, you know, she's wearing Tala's uh, holster. She puts her gloves on that white outfit. But to me, Nick, it mirrors an outfit we see Leia wear in the comics where it is all white. She's got a holster. She's got gloves. So I think that was kind of a nod to that. Who knows if the holster in the comics is, is still Tala's at this point. I think we just have to um, believe that it is. Yeah. Um, but But some of the great stuff, obviously at the end on on Alderaan with young Leia and and Obi-Wan here it's just the you know the the exchange between these two characters that now clearly have a bond that that we never yeah. fully realized in a new hope and hearing Ben and man how beautiful is that hearing Ben finally give Leia some insights into her real parents when he says your mother was wise, discerning, and kind-hearted, and your father gave you uh, passion, fearlessness, and he was forthright. I yeah. mean, come on. Beautiful. I mean, I, I actually, like, teared up a little bit. Of course. How could you, you not? I, I mean, mean, that... Beautiful. And, and, beautiful. and I know there's some people out there, and I'm not going to knock them, but they're like, well, I feel like they still have to wipe Leia's memory. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they gave you what you need to know right here. They literally say to each other, like, listen, we can't talk much about our bond again and what we went through and what we did. We have to keep this shit secret. They literally say it. I've watched it three times. But he does yeah. give her some idea of who her mother was and who her father was, which could. I know it still doesn't clean up Leia's dialogue in Return of the Jedi, but you can make a stretch. Uh, yeah. To me, Nick, I, I, I don't see any need that, that there has to be some sort of memory wipe from Princess Leia thanks to this adventure she went on with Obi-Wan Kenobi. In fact, I think yeah. it bolsters what she does in A New Hope and goes to him over anyone else. And yeah. I'll let you talk here in a second, but what really sells it is in the prison block escape now when Luke comes in and says, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. I've got Ben Kenobi. The first thing she says, Ben Kenobi, where let's fucking go. At first she's like, you're a joker motherfucker. I'm not going with your short ass. And then she hears Ben Kenobi and she's like, fucking a. Yeah. I mean, you also have to remember too, that the recording that she made was clearly under duress. Like she knew for her ship was being boarded. She was literally boarded by stormtroopers and Darth Vader. The ship wasn't being boarded. It was already boarded. Yeah. Like there, there were, there was a high likelihood that she would be caught just sending the message, just recording the message. So like in that moment, one, you have to realize that Leia is a highly intelligent person. 
And this has been, she has been highly intelligent from her childhood. You can see it in this show. So like, even though she's like, you know, she's, she's sending this message. She knows she's like, I cannot let them know that we know each other because if that connection is made, then right. why it do changes they know the each entire other? dynamic? Yeah. yeah. Why does like, this girl know Kenobi outside of just her dad worked with him during the clone wars? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, if Darth Vader is on your fucking ship and you're sending a, a message Hey, a Jedi. hey, Uncle Ben, remember when yeah. we did that shit 10 years ago? Uh, yeah. I think we're going to have to do something similar again, buddy, because I've got the Death Star plans <laughs> and this Darth guy is after me. Help. Yeah, but I think that you nailed it on the head. Like the, the appropriate reaction, the one that, that shows the bond between those two was the reaction she had in the prison block. Like the one of excitement, like, okay, yes, he's here. Like, I know we're ready to fucking yep. go. We're good. Like, we're going to yeah, get like this we're, now. We're ready like, to like, rock and roll. This is going to work out. Is it, That is her. She's excited. She's like, finally, the, yeah, I've got like, this, 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 this tiny stormtrooper coming in here, calling himself Luke Skywalker, saying he's here to rescue me. Who cares? And then as soon yeah. as she hears Ben Kenobi, she's running she out the door. Up, takes the gun. Give me the gun. Yes, I'm getting that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Into the garbage chute, fly boy. Yeah. Like, I mean, she just completely takes charge and has a renewed sense of fight in her. Yeah. After, I, I will add, she was laying quite sexily S on that sensually. bench. when, when Yeah, <laughs> sen sensually. There you go. That's probably a better way to say it because sexily isn't a word. That's why Nick said <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. And and I just, I don't. Not that I'm shitting on anyone that thinks she needs her memory wiped. I just don't. Because this scene to me clears that up. He gives her some insights about her parents and who they were and how he sees them through her. But he also specifically says, like, listen, you and I, we can't do this. Like, we, we've got to keep what happened secret. That's just how it has to be. That's good enough for me. She clearly has that uh, emotional capacity to do so at the age of 10. It works and it checks out. Yeah, no, That's I mean, she say. is, she's a highly intelligent little girl. And if you couldn't tell that just from watching this season of TV, then like, I don't know what to tell you. Not only that, she's fucking force sensitive. <laughs> like she is the, yeah, the yeah, spawn you, of you, one of the you, most you, powerful force users of all time. So a lot of people forget that, you know, I, I know it might've looked goofy in, in TLJ, but yeah, I mean, Leia is loaded with midichlorians. She can probably hold her breath and her body together for a bit in space. And then yeah. Mary Poppins her ass back into a hatch. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 I can see like, because they express, like there was no express memory wipe. Like if you are looking at things in the most literal of contexts, like, well, she can't remember if that's like the only viewpoint that you can have at this. I can see why, you're like, well, they didn't wipe her mind, so this whole thing is messed up. But you have to look at it from like a human perspective of like, if somebody finds out that I have this bond with Obi-Wan Kenobi, they're not going to throw me in a prison cell. They're going to cut my head off. Right. And they're going to use, they're going to take me to Tatooine and they're going to kill me in front of him. Like you have to see that as, as the, the reaction that Leia thinks is going to happen if if they know that they have this bond, yeah, like so that no, was great. And then Nick, we even got more foreshadowing here. I kind of included in the egg section when he says to her, "If you ever need my help again, you know where to find me." And that's exactly yeah. what happens. She needs his help. She was headed to Tatooine, got caught up with Vader, and then then we get 
the trilogy that, at least for me, that's why I love Star Wars. That's what got me into it. Four, five, and six. So uh, I, I think the epilogue moment with Obi-Wan and Leia was, was probably the best. Oh, in so terms of, of, of closure and the foreshadowing that it provided for uh, a lot of the moments we have come to know and love for many years at this point in time. Uh, back on the egg front, we told you motherfuckers he was going to be in this series and probably through a hollow. And sure enough, <laughs> Palpatine rings in just to bust on Vader's, Vader's balls a little bit, give him some shit like, oh, hey, hey, you know, you lost, huh? And you're still thinking about your boy Kenobi. We got some shit to do, dude. Keep... <laughs> Keep focused, you know, you, you, those, that attachment shit that you like to get into with Padme's and your former master, it doesn't fly here. You're attached to me. I am your master. You listen to me. And, and once again, we see poor Anakin just fucking cave. The only person yeah. he would ever cave to ever. And he, he can't he can't get out from under it until his son saves him is Palpatine. He never caved to Kenobi during their teachings. He never caved to the Jedi Order. He only caved to Sidious, a.k.a. Palpatine, and it's still happening here. Uh, but you, you, you got to love when Palpatine shows up to just kind of rub it in his pupil's face that you suck and you failed again. Uh, but kind of the aggy moment of this, we finally, for the first time in this series, get the full-on Imperial March as the camera pulls out, leaving Lord Vader sad like a little boy on his throne so that was a nice touch i i yeah. do appreciate nick that they finally infused a few more of williams's themes into this episode mm -hmm. uh, yeah. we, we got the leia theme and the force theme during their goodbye that just ratchets up the emotions like we said john's music can do to star wars fans so that that was a nice call not that natalie holt did a bad job but I do feel like in some of the previous episodes during the bigger moments with the meaty characters, they probably should have lumped in more of the, the known themes versus their um, original score. Yeah, I agree um, with that. What do we got here on moments? The, We're almost through the episode here. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the I guess we'll, we'll go with Luke, Ben meets yeah. Luke. But first, especially for us collectors out there, how about the fact that Deb decided to just go full on sideshow collectibles mythos Obi Wan figure <laughs> for his final outfit? I mean, Even when with I the first saw goggles and everything, bro, it's bro, it is spot on outside the backpack with his old Clone Wars armor. That's the only thing fucking missing. I mean, it's, yeah. you're right. I mean, and he, I don't think he was wearing the hand gloves that are on the statue, but. When I first saw him in this outfit, I'm like, damn, did he just break out his Rots tunic? No, it's not really. It's a darker brown under tunic, but I'll see where it goes from here. And then, then we get outside, and the motherfucker's like, full on, I, I have that toy. I'm like, <laughs> I had that toy already. It's already sitting in my shelf. And apparently, Deb Chow had that figure at all times on her desk, and that was kind of like the genesis of her ideas and, and some of the visual flavor she wanted to incorporate into the series. So Amen. I do, I do like, especially from a collector standpoint that they were just like, you know what? Fuck it. That, that toy does look great. Let's just make you and look just like that, that action figure. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then obviously, and I'm glad they made this and we got to see it, but I, I guess I just kind of assumed that, obi-wan had potentially talked to luke before now but no we do yeah. learn at this moment once grouchy uh uncle owen finally realizes like you know what this guy just did a lot for us maybe <laughs> i could let him at least say hello 
to this kid he's charged with protecting and, and give him that T-16 Skyhopper model. And they couldn't have done it any better than doing it with the iconic hello there drop that, you know, we've known this character to speak from A New Hope days. I mean, the, the yeah. first time he and Luke talking A New Hope, hello there. Hello there. <laughs> the first time they meet in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, hello there. Just I mean, fucking beautiful stuff, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. is that connective tissue that Filoni talks about, Kennedy talks about, that we talk about, that we all love. This is why Star Wars is so great and better than all these other tentpole franchises. I and mean, we're talking 40 plus years for some of these movies. And we're, we're still having parts of them fleshed out for us. That is beautiful shit. It's yeah. beautiful shit. Um, so I, I, I did like the meeting between the two and I did, I did appreciate the meme where someone grafted on, like, someone grafted General Grievous's arms to young Luke to, to really kind of pay off on the hello there moment. <laughs> and, and someone also did one where they showed old Mark Hamill being like digitally de-aged down into the little kid. And they're like, Oh, that's oh how God. they did it. Yeah. Kind of, you know, <laughs> highlighting how they brought Luke back in the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett. So, uh, th- there, there are a few of you out there on the internet that still do some funny shit when it comes to star Wars. So kudos to you all. Keep it up. <laughs> and then, um, right. of course, kind of coming on home, told all of you not to worry. He would be there. Although we didn't get kind of the, 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 the coaching voice during the final dual part of Qui-Gon. We did finally get Qui-Gon in ghost form, Apparently, he did figure out how to become corporeal after all. I'm not really going to yeah. get into it. I guess that certain point of view book did slightly canonize it, as Spencer once said. Um, but yeah, Qui-Gon shows up, and it was Liam Neeson. I'm not sure why he didn't get credited in the credits, but he did, in an article a few days after, confirm, like, yeah, of course I was going to come back and honor George's work, but also, you know, just to... Ewan's my boy. I, I you know, I yeah. wanted to just help him out and, and do this little thing for the show. So I the mean, uh, return of the gin was it was a nice moment and <laughs> and definitely sets up potential moving forward if we want to kind of see um, Obi Wan either train with him or get prophecies delivered to him that are going to affect who he becomes by the time we yeah. see a new hope. So I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is 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 this is the moment that Obi Wan's training begins. I mean, yeah. if you think about everything that that Yoda told him at the end of episode three, you know, um, you know, training you have, you know, what training he says, your old masters found a way to, to, you know, essentially cheat death. And this is when it begins. Ten years has pa- have passed by since the end of Rots and he's never been able to communicate right. with Qui-Gon. This is the moment that he finally starts to unlock these secrets of the force that Qui-Gon figured out where nobody else had. For, well, at least for millennia. I like how he um, talks shit too. He's like, "Yo, dude, I've I've always been here. I've just, always been. Here. You just never saw me. Basically, you, yeah, you weren't you able weren't to see ready. me. Yeah, yeah, you weren't ready to see me. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a great moment. If there is a season two, I hope that we get a little bit more of Qui Gon in, in, in Force Ghost form because I think that that is something that's important to the growth of Kenobi. I mean, yeah. And look, I haven't read the the season two potential spoilers yet that we're going to get to now you're 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 right on let's see where you're going but so far you're you're kind of right in line okay can you imagine like kenobi is now on a journey like he was when he was a padawan learning 
parts of the force travel. Like he is now expressly given over. Oh yeah. Protection duties to right. Baru and Owen. He essentially has given himself a pass to leave Tatooine. He's like, and he says as much. He's like, you are his protectors now. You don't need me. Now, if Qui-Gon says, you know, to, to learn the power that I have learned, you need to travel. You need to go to these, these, these yeah, lost like kind of like Yoda. I mean, just remember from the last season of Clone Wars, all, all the travel Yoda had to do. I mean, he had to go to that exactly. freaky force planet and talk to the force beings. And they're the ones that said, yo, you're your dude was figuring this shit out. He just got killed a little too early to actually fully realize himself in corporeal form. So, yeah, that that's actually a pretty good idea. You know, it, it could be season two could be, at least from Obi-Wan's point of view, more force centric, more yeah. Jedi lore centric, which which I think a lot of fans would would dig. Would really props yeah, would in terms of that T-16 that they used. I you would have to hope they used a vintage. I don't even know if Kenner made T-16s back in the day as, as toys and, and you are correct they did make a, a 90s version but I, I don't know you got me there buddy I, I have failed you I have failed you <laughs> SW props so uh, oh, th- this was another one that had a, a great meme to it the Qui-Gon showing up Nick because I saw some, the, the one he's like in beach attire well that, that's from the real Phantom Menace set because it was so fucking hot that Qui-Gon <laughs> did he had like a an umbrella and, and a towel over his head to, to not die but someone did that <laughs> and then did the ghost wash over it and the, and the um, meme was yeah. Hey, Obi-Wan, so how's your training with Anakin been going? <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is, see, like I said, the Star Wars memers out there, love them. You got to love them. They, they, some of them come up with some hilarious shit, and that was definitely one of them. There was a few that came out of this episode, and that was a good one. So yeah. there you go. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, has been put to bed by the Star Wars Time Show. As a series overall, I, I found it to be e- extremely strong. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I tried to add up the, the minutes, but we're, we're talking about close to a, a four to four and a half hour long movie from, from start to finish. Maybe a little, maybe closer to four if you cut out some of the recap bullshit in the, in the credits. Um, but as a whole, it's just, I'm, I'm with Nick. I think it's some of the best Star Wars lore that's that's been produced since disney took over i mean before it aired i was the one out there like if this is done right this could be the greatest skywalker saga content of all time and uh, it's it's definitely up there um i find i'm still more emotionally attached to the original trilogy and the emotions of of the luke and vader dynamic than than what I got here with the Obi Wan Invader dynamic, but it was pretty damn close. I mean, that final duel got very close to how I feel when I watched the final duel between Luke and Vader, which is uh, my favorite moment in in all of Star Wars. So, um, yeah, it, it it was great. It was great. I mean, would it would it have been better if those of us that don't have patience could have watched one through six? Maybe, uh, but I kind of like the serialized approach. And the time to consume, discuss, rinse and repeat. So yeah. overall, I think it, 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 Deb and crew, you and Hayden, they, they achieved what they set out to do, in my opinion. And uh, without a doubt, in, in, in my mind, a second season is, is valid, is 
there's potential for one. Uh, yeah. we, we could definitely get one, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about next. But before that, Nick, series overall, what's your final word? Uh, it was a masterpiece. I mean, like I said, nothing is perfect ever in Star Wars or in life, but I mean, this, this show did a masterful job of building a character that we thought we knew everything about already. I mean, we had seen him from his, I mean, to a certain degree, his youth in episode one. I mean, he was a fresh-faced kid, still Padawan learner, still had his braid. And we saw him until his death, you know, and, and, and beyond death, all the way through the original trilogy. We didn't think that there was any more of us to learn uh, or any more for us to learn about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this series proved me wrong, proved us wrong, and shows that not only did we have things to learn about him, but he still has things to learn about himself. And he still had, you know, areas of his, of his person that he hadn't explored. And, and there's still things for him to explore. And you've taken one of the most iconic characters in cinema history, and especially in Star Wars history. I mean, there's nobody who has a footprint as large as Obi-Wan Kenobi other than Darth Vader himself. And, and you've given him new life almost i mean i I thought that 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 deborah and and crew did a an absolutely fantastic i I mean i'll be honest dude i've always appreciated the character of obi-wan kenobi but he's never been like my guy you know especially being a a child of the originals he wasn't much i mean he was there he he sacrificed himself and then he'd show up talk a little shit as a ghost and nudge luke along his path uh, the prequels, he was kind of arrogant, uh, an asshole at times, especially to, to Anakin. Uh, by Revenge of the Sith, yeah, he, you know, he, he was getting a little bit better in the Clone Wars. He was still, he was kind of a stuffy type of character to me. This series finally kind of rounded him out, in my opinion, as a top-tier Star Wars character. Like, yeah, th- this guy is crucial to the series, He's just as important to the story of, of Anakin Skywalker as anyone else, if not more so than pretty much everyone but Padme and his children in Palpatine. And, and technically Qui-Gon, because he's the one that, that stumped for him. So, this series has definitely given some gravitas to the character of Kenobi for me. I've yeah. always been drawn to the, the, the dark, dark side characters, Vader, Maul. Uh, but now I think Kenobi's moving up there with the Lukes and the Ahsokas for me, finally, thanks to this series. And, and just one final point, I've said it a million times, my favorite thing to do with any type of fictional series is to learn why things are the way they are, why people are the way they are. That's why I was so excited about the prequels. I mean, ridiculously excited as a 17, 18, 19-year-old, like, fuck, I'm finally going to get to see how... Darth Vader became Darth Vader. You know, it was that type of excitement. Like, oh my God, this is going to be kick-ass. And, you know, that didn't turn out the way I wanted to for almost, you know, 15 years after the fact. We're, we're, we're finally there thanks to the cartoons and uh, the flashbacks. We're getting in live action. I, I finally feel like, okay, I've... And this series, I think, was the cherry on top for me, finally seeing Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker as the Darth Vader that I first met in 1980. That that bridge has finally been crossed. That gap has been filled. I now see Hayden's Anakin in that 1977 Darth Vader. 
and that yeah. this series sealed it. But as I've said all along, and while I read the comics, it's it's just getting these little bits of lore that help to flesh out what we already know. And that, to me, is what I love about what Disney and everyone is doing with these TV shows. It is giving us more meat on the bone to chew on to further flesh out all of the tropes we have come to love with Star Wars. So they can do these motherfucking things till the cows come home, in my opinion. You just, just keep spoon-feeding me stuff from the past mm-hmm. of Star Wars that I love to further flesh out this 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 franchise and these characters and the galaxy that even in my 40s with broken legs and on hillbilly heroin i get up at five in the morning to consume and talk about so job well done team chow team disney plus yeah 100 percent agree all right, Nick, so we've been throwing out season two, potential season two, yada, yada, yada. Making Star Wars says it's a done deal. Ewan once again came out and said, I'd be down. Hayden saying he's down. Deborah saying, I don't know, it was a limited series. But then Kathleen saying, you know what? If there's a story to tell and the people are clamoring for it and this does well, well, then maybe we'll get one. And, you know, MSW hit pretty hard on the leaks, so you got to take him for what he says. If he's saying season two is a thing, I, I think it probably is. But we actually got something today from someone that was involved with Obi-Wan Kenobi when it was still a movie that could give us some insights into what a potential season two could entail. So um, I, I did a little short on this. I'd love for you to, you know, bust up, bust open your Instagram, find the post on at Star Wars Time Show and share out what we're just about to talk about. You know, we love you. That's all we ask for. No donations, no Patreons. Just like our content and fucking share it with with your followers. That's it. But here, here's the deal. So this guy, Stuart Beatty, sat down and talked to the direct. And like I said, he was one of the original writers on the Kenobi movie when it was still supposed to be a movie uh, before Disney killed all that due to the box office failure of Solo. Um, so the first interesting thing that Stuart revealed, Nick, is that he had initially planned for the movie to be a trilogy. Kind yeah. of a three-act arc for the character of Kenobi to answer things that Stewart felt needed answered to make things in a new hope make more sense. And that's where we're going to kind of give you the angle on what season two could entail. If they potentially retain Beatty, like I said, he was, he did get writer credits on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series episodes one through three and the finale. So clearly they used a lot of his ideas, even though Joby Harold took over. So here's Stuart on the first movie and how his treatment it played into the first seer, the first season of the Obi-Wan series, and then we'll get into what he thinks season two should entail. So here's what Mr. Beatty had to say. So when I pitched my Obi-Wan story to Lucasfilm, I said there's actually three stories here because there's three different evolutions that the character has to make in order to go from Obi-Wan to Ben. And the first one was the first movie, which was the show, which was surrender to the will of the force, transport your will, surrender your will, leave the kid alone. Mission accomplished, right? Yep. Yep. So then the second movie was thinking about where Kenobi ends up. And one of the most powerful and probably the most powerful moments in all of Obi-Wan's story is that moment where he sacrifices himself in A New Hope. Great moment, you know, makes you cry. But if you stop and think about it, it's, pretty, it's a pretty sudden thing. 
to just kind of go be fighting a guy to see Luke and go, I'm going to die. You know, that to me, that required forethought that required pre-acceptance that this was going to happen. And I think Stuart raises a good point. We all get it. We've accepted it that Obi-Wan, once he sees the twins together, is like, I did my job. It's time for me to serve Luke through the force. But when you're watching it, it is kind of wonky. I mean, he is holding his own as they play, let's be real, tummy sticks with each other back in the (laughs) 70s when we didn't figure out how to do lightsaber fights. I mean, it wasn't like he was getting his ass kicked by any means. No, But as as, as soon as he sees Luke... He gets that shit-eating grin on his face. He's like, all right, it's time for me to commit suicide. And yeah. if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And Vader's like, what are you fucking talking about, you old kook? Wank. And he disappears. So I do get this, the question Stuart is asking. Like, how was is, how is he that comfortable in sacrificing himself? All right, so here yeah. we go. So... Here's what Stewart had to say on if he was able to write the second film, this is where he would have gone. So again, it's one of those universal things we all struggle with, to come to terms with our own mortality. So that was the second step of the evolution for me, that Obi-Wan now has to come to terms with his own mortality, somehow in a prophecy or Qui-Gon telling him, there's going to come a moment where you're going to have to sacrifice yourself for the good. And then Obi-Wan is like, what? No, 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 no. I'm here to help. I can't. No. And get him to that point where Obi-Wan has accepted the idea that he's going to die and that he's going to die willingly at a crucial moment. And you will know when that moment presents itself so that when that moment comes up in a new hope, you understand he's recognizing he's been on this journey already and he's waiting for this moment. And that's how he's able to make it so easily to do this sacrifice and die. So that to me was the second evolution, the second film, the second story. So for me, if I have anything to do with the second season of Obi-Wan, that's the character evolution that I would take him on. That, to me, is really interesting and, like I said, universal. Yeah. I mean, so what do you think about pr- that, Nick? Is that something you'd like to see explored? Like Obi-Wan kind of realizing, like, for me to truly achieve my mission with Luke and these twins, I know I'm going to have to die. Yeah, and I think that that still falls in line with, like, some of what I was saying, like, of course you know, it could him going on essentially. I mean, like essentially a, a vision quest, like he needs to find, like he needs to study these old Republic Jedi. Yeah. Like, no, like, hold on, Qui-Gon, we're boys, but I need to see this for myself before yeah. you, you just tell me that I need to kill myself at some point in time. And I'll know what point in time that is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because here, here's, here's something that's interesting. Like, the old Republic is still wholly unexplored in new canon. Um, I mean, I know that that the old Republic video game, you know, holds holds a lot of uh, sway and holds a lot of importance to people. Um, but you can use the old Republic. Like this is an opportunity where you can actually explore the old Republic, show how that ability to to become one with the Force was actually you know, I don't want to say relatively common, but it was known and it was practiced and it was a goal that all Jedi strove for in that time period and that it was lost completely during like the first sundering of the Jedi Order, during the the the, the wars between 
the Jedi and the Sith and everything that were to come after like that, that knowledge. So you have to, you have to educate me. So back in the old Republic, Jedi knew about force ghosts because you are right. It it seems like, it seems like it truly took Qui-Gon and his generation to refigure that shit out. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had Jedi, you, you even had Sith back at that time who, who made the turn to the light at the right time and were able to become like corporeal force ghosts like Darth Maul in Star Wars The Old Republic. I believe Satil Shan even dies at, at one point and becomes uh, a force ghost as well. I mean, force ghosts were something that you were that are relatively common back in the day. I mean, we already knew that you had these force ghosts that were tied to Sith in certain areas and stuff like that. But taking that and, and applying it to the Jedi philosophy... And taking that and, and seeing the other Jedi who had done this before in the past and, and, and relearn that, like re-explore that time period, see these, these crucial Jedi. I mean, Darth Revan, um, you know, not Darth anymore, but Revan himself, like became a force ghost um, in Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. So, I mean, that is an opportunity for you to take all of these these famous Jedi that people love so much and bring them into canon via this journey that Kenobi has to go on with Qui-Gon to learn these things. So yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, really I dig cool. it. I, I think Stewart is definitely on to something. I like the way his mind works because it is. If you think about that scene in the new hope, it does. It's like, what the fuck? He's like, all right, well, there's like, Luke. They're almost to the Falcon. They're not even on yet, but fuck it. He's a Skywalker. He'll figure it out. Now, shit, he's with his sister. I know her. We've been on adventures before. She can take care of herself. Now's the time. I quit. Kill me. Um, it, it would be nice that to see him actually come to terms with the fact that he is going to have to kill himself because it does seem like he is very willing to do the act in A New Hope, but even the even the Kenobi we're left with at the end of the Kenobi series, I, I, it doesn't seem like he would just be like, you know what, I'm going to fucking sacrifice no. myself right now. No, he, I mean, he, the Kenobi at the end of the series is like, I'm ready to go now. Like, put me yeah. back in the field. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I Let's want to learn. do stuff. I've got, yeah, I've got the yeah. hope. I've got the force again. I'm comfortable with where Luke is at. You know, let, let's let's kind of get tough. Let, let, let's get learned here. Qui-Gon, teach me, master type of stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm with this Beatty guy. I mean, he clearly has some influence over the Obi-Wan series. He was a credited as a writer on multiple episodes. They used his movie treatment in part. And I think he has a valid idea for a second season. And, and that's what Kathleen Kennedy has been kind of dangling. Like, listen, if, if there's demand and if there's reason there's a good chance this is going to happen. So, um, I I don't know. I just, I I dig Stewart's take for sure. And I would not be surprised if elements of it do make a second season. Uh, Obviously they, they, they couldn't just focus on that because I think Reva would also be a pillar of the second season. You you don't keep Reva alive just for fun to just kind of ride off into the sunset for fans to write their story in their headcanon. So I could see a mix of, of Reva's journey, probably with the path and Roken and Haja to get all those people back as well as Obi-Wan's journey with, with Qui-Gon. And like Nick said, and I, I, I love what Nick's thinking kind of going on a tour de force of old Jedi relics 
temples, um, you know, getting mixed up probably with the empire because you know they're they're already hunting down oh, temples and relics and already have yeah. some of them in their possession. So yeah, that that could definitely make for a fun way to to figure out how again this this Obi Wan a healed Obi Wan then goes into the very confident, wise and Zen. I'm ready to die, Obi Wan, by a new hope. Yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see because I mean. This is a, a, a banger of like a second season he's got or a second movie that he's got an idea for. Like, what is his idea for the third? Like, what did he have planned? Yeah, for I, I know. I, I mean, <laughs> like, he like if you read the whole article, which I suggest people to do, go to StarWarsTime.net and we have a jump off to the direct. But uh, he, he pretty much says like I had a three film plan to take Kenobi to, to take Obi-Wan Kenobi to Ben. So, yeah, it is interesting. What What would have been the third act? I mean, is it? literally leading up to him walking up on luke yeah i know like i don't know i mean like i don't know i really don't know you go like yeah you know how 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 far do you take that story for for obi-wan um you know does he you know after the second one you know if if it is like he's he's on this this tour de force as you said like is the third one like him coming home and like and writing things on Tatooine or like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi season three, Ben builds his hut. And that's all it is for six episodes. Him and Tika, the Jawa uh, work together to build his hovel that we see in the Dune Sea in a new home. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm really interested to see like what his, what his third treatment would be. But I mean, I, I'm so like jazzed for a potential second season, man. And like, and look, you know, I, I love Mandalorian one and two Boba Fett was okay. But like this one, like a potential for a season two of, of, of the Kenobi has got me energized and like looking forward to something yeah. uh, that, I, you know, unlike the other shows. I, I mean, I'll be honest, people, if you're new here, this is, this is old Nick. This is what it, our conversations used to sound like <laughs> when he had that, that fire and passion for Star Wars before the dark times, before yeah. the trolls <laughs> and the racists yeah. and all the, yeah. the noise that kind of fucks up Star Wars these days. This is, this is, see, he's got the excitement, people. It's back. <laughs> Obi Wan did it. And, and you know what? Honestly, I, I probably, through this series, have had the biggest change of heart on the Obi Wan series itself. I mean, if, if you go back to a year or two ago, the first things I said, I mean, I was very adamant. He can't leave the planet. You can't, yeah, yeah. you can't fuck up the dialogue in A New Hope. And now, after seeing what they did, I'm going, yes, more. Please, shovel it down my eyeballs. I'm, I'm here for it. You, you proved to me that you could tell a viable Kenobi story that d- doesn't fuck with continuity. In fact, it enhances continuity. And makes yeah. existing Star Wars make even more sense and give it even more meaning and emotion. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's crazy what this series did just for me and how I thought that the character of Obi-Wan had to be treated. They showed me that there is other ways to do things. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about a potential season two is that as long as we've known Kenobi, he has essentially been a steward to the Skywalkers. There was hit, like... From the end of episode one, all the way up until now, he was a steward of the Skywalker legacy. 
you're training the chosen one, Anakin Skywalker, after the end of episode three. Now you're not training. You are protecting the Skywalker progeny. And up to this point, that is exactly what he's been doing. But now it's the first time in decades that Kenobi has the opportunity to do something for himself that will ultimately be for the betterment and the the you know the furthering of the Skywalker. Of course, yeah. He's still. I mean, he's still. He, his connection to the Skywalkers can never be broken. But yeah, can't be as broken. you're saying, he he's going to have a little leeway now in how he approaches that connection. Exactly. Like he he now has time to focus on himself, how to make himself better, how to put himself in a position to where he is the the most useful to not only the Skywalkers, not only Luke and Leia, but to the galaxy as a whole. So, I mean, I just think that, that this next chapter of his life could be, you know, so interesting just from the, the lens of his, his journey, his personal journey, and not his journey attached to Luke or Leia. Or oh, Andy. it it's... The, the way they handled it, man, it, it, it truly is wide open. I, I mean, yes, they, 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 there are plenty of restrictions, but they're not as many and as, and as tight as I envisioned years ago when this was announced. I mean, I, I thought this, this, yes, limited series, you can't do this, you can't say that, you, he can't go there, he can't see this person, this person can't see that. And it's like, they handled it expertly, teed it up, it makes sense now, there, there are more stories that could be told that will not break canon, will not break continuity. Like I said, it's just going to enhance it. And, and let's be real, there's plenty of Vader potential too for future oh, seasons, yeah. if not his own goddamn show. I mean, they, they end his epilogue more or less tease up a Vader series or Vader continuing in the Obi-Wan series because he, he tells Palpatine like, no, we, we will find this motherfucker. So you, you could still have Vader getting even angrier and, and just more evil in his uh, relentless pursuit to chase down Kenobi after he failed again in, in taking him out. And uh, I mean, this, yeah. this series also showed to all of us that you could definitely have a Darth Vader led series. Standard. I mean, Oh yeah. 100%. I still don't know why this isn't a thing. Maybe they used the Obi-Wan banner to eventually give us a quasi Vader series, but uh, there, there's potential in addition to what we just said for Kenobi and some of the plot in the season two, they, they teed up Vader's inclusion as well. So yeah, the future is bright, at least for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and those of us who enjoyed it and didn't worry about the production side of it. Yeah. So I'm excited. All right. Hopefully it happens. So <laughs> moving on to a much less interesting Jedi, the milk toast Jedi one yeah. that I, I do like the the real-life person that plays him. I think he does a good job. I just, I don't know. I, I did not get much from Cal Kestis and Jedi Fallen Order that uh, caused me to have any sort of emotional attachment to him. It's just like, whatever, BD1, I cared about more than Cal. <laughs> but Nick has a little rumor for us about Cal and potentially his live-action meatbag alter ego in Cameron, was it, Monaghan? Monahan. Yes. Yeah, so go ahead, Nick. What, what are they yeah. saying about Cal Kestis? So Cal Kestis may rumor, rumor, rumor be getting his own uh, Disney Plus series. So this comes from Star Wars Newsnet, which comes through 
another uh, uh, leaker out there. And uh, this was definitely like from my uncle's my uh, uncle's monkey type of deal. I mean, it was it yeah, was like yeah. a, a passed down it, it, through many leak sources. So yeah. who knows? Crit, Christian Harloff. I don't. Oh yeah, know that guy. Crit, yeah, him. Yeah, like again, like <laughs> this was you know this comes out at a time where there really isn't a ton of fucking Star Wars news out there. But Christian Harloff is like. Uh, somebody who who uh, you know tries to be a Hollywood insider, but he's so apparently he has heard that uh, there is a Cal Kestis show in the works at Disney Plus with Cameron Monaghan as like playing Cal Kestis. So the guy who voices Cal Kestis, the, the guy who makes sense, the, the, <laughs> the entire character of Cal Kestis is based off of, would be playing him in live action. Um, now what? There's, I mean, and that's the rumor. There's nothing, there's no plot details. There's nothing further from that. There's no production date set from what has been told. Um, but it would be a show that is solely focused around Cal Kestis and his journey, whether it be directly after episode three or intermingling in the timelines between Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor um, is, is, is not known, but it would be a show based solely around him. So I don't know, man, here's my take. Why? Um, his, yeah. his story's getting told in video game form. He's had one, he's getting another. He'll probably get a third if the if survivor sells well. Um, I'm not saying Cal Kestis has no place in live action Star Wars. I'm saying he, he doesn't deserve his own series. Yeah, uh, if he pops up in an Andor or in an Obi Wan season two, so be it. That makes sense. I think that'd be cool fan service. Uh, but in terms of this character driving a a live action series and its narrative, I, I just why we get to do that with our controllers and mice yeah. and keyboard for you PC master racers. I, I don't know. It's just like that. That's just yeah. me though. I, I don't have a lot of love for the character. Period. So. Yeah, I'm kind of in the in agreement with that. Like it, it's hard to figure out where in time you would tell his story because, like you said, you know, the story of Cal Kestis is being told through these games. We even saw flashbacks in the first game showing how he escaped Order sixty six. I mean, we we've we've covered a pretty large swath of this kid's life, so I don't know if if there is enough room to have a whole series based around him what i will yeah, I say do. is that like a lot of these rumors like they're they're they end up not being true but they end up having like kernels of truth built into them yeah so maybe like you said a possibility would be Cal Kestis being included in the next season of Kenobi if he's still alive, or, you know? or like, Andor. I mean, that's a, th th that's Andor. where he that's where he makes sense to me, it, and I think it would be a nice bang. It would be nice little fan service for the 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 fanboys and girls of Jedi Fallen Order and Cal. And and I know Cameron would do a fantastic job. He was one of the best things about the Gotham series when he did or did not portray a version of the Joker. I mean, he he's got the chops to do it. I just don't see him as a series lead. To me, he's a he's a supporting character that that comes in and as they do supports the lead. Yeah. So I yeah I don't you know I mean what are you gonna do? I mean you're gonna have like you would you would almost have to like have a big enough break between games where you could tell us tell a story in a series that would have to like that would be in between them or. Yeah, I mean, because it didn't seem like Cal's life was very interesting leading up to 
no Jedi Fallen Order. Bro, like he I mean, even during hiding. Fallen Order, it was it, to me <laughs> yeah. that the story there was almost zero interest. That's why I was just like, all right, get me to the next level, get me through it, get me to the next level, get me through it. The fucking Night Sister story was more intriguing than than Cal's. The Second Sister story was more intriguing than Cal's. Cal is and always will be to me the milk toast Jedi. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah, he he was. He was definitely a character that was built and chosen to tell a story through, not to tell a story about. Thank you. Is, that, is, that's is the, the intelligent way. way of saying what I've been trying to say. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Yeah. So, the scholar of the show here. <laughs> he has his master's so I, in English. I, I think that it could be interesting, but you would have to do it as a part of another show. I don't think that you could do it as a hey, this, this is random. Do you still wear the Manscaped ball deodorant or are you, you out? Uh, yeah, yeah, I still have some. All right. So if you ever want to make your crotch smell like Kraft mac and cheese, <laughs> wear that stuff and then don't shower f- for about 48 hours. Oh, God, no. I don't Th- that's do where that. I'm at right now because I only get to take my, my seat shower every other day. Oh, yeah, and I, I finally right. pinned down my new interesting ball smell to... My natural juices mixing with Manscaped's ball deodorant, and it literally makes it smell like Kraft macaroni and cheese. Oh, my God. All right, so there's, there's a, a little anecdote for those oh of you. <laughs> I, that's I how may or may not have just caught a waft coming up, and that's why I am talking about it right now. So That's how interested Matt is in a potential Cal Kestis series. <laughs> that, that, that is more yeah, interesting I'm, to I'm, him. I'm, than... I'm thinking about my ball odor right now instead of Cal Kestis, and, and Nick Cal- isn't wrong, yeah. so... I mean, there you go. I'll still play the sequel. You know, it's a Star Wars game and I won't agree with the combat, but it's Star Wars and it's a game and I'll play it. But I don't know, man, they they did not uh, encapsulate me or 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 get me to buy into Cal Kestis in the first game, as like Nick said, as someone that have should have stories told about them versus being a vehicle to deliver Star Wars stories. He is a delivery guy, not a star. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. Um, so that's it. That's it for Cal. <laughs> yeah, this is a quick one here. More of a, a, a PSA. I'm sure most of you already know. But yesterday, uh, the official word came out for Star Wars Celebration 2023. On, and, uh, uh, specifically, when tickets are going on sale. It's sooner than you may think. It's two days away, or at least two days away from when we're recording this. So on June 30th at noon Eastern time, Star Wars fans will have the ability to sign up and pre-purchase, pre-order, secure, whatever you want to call it, their tickets for Star Wars Celebration 2023, which, as we know, is going to take place across the pond in 23 in uh, London, I believe. Yes, April 7th through 10th uh, yep. uh, in London. So there's the your date. Uh, we have the link to the sale page for on June 30th, so you can just go to StarWarsTime.net and search Celebration 2023. They'll get you there. Uh, it's it's same as the uh, American celebrations. They're, they're going to have the Jedi Master VIP, which if you can afford it, that's what you should get. It makes life easy and stress as stress free as a celebration can get 
Outside of that, you probably want to go for one of the uh, multi-day passes first. Those usually go next, the four days, the three days. And then you also will have options for single-day passes. Um, I would love to say I, I, I would make it to 23, but with it being in Europe and who the fuck knows what's going to happen in this country over the next few months or uh, my health in general... I just, I don't know. I would love to go back to London. I've been out there one other time to watch the Steelers play. It was a fantastic experience. I know all you motherfuckers in the UK hate London because it's so expensive, but I guess being an American, going to big cities, we're we're used to that tax. So I, I love the city. There's so much fucking history to it. That's stuff we don't get over here. You know, you, you can't yeah. walk through a city and see thousands of years of, of history still existing and some of the architecture. Uh, the the rail system's great to use to get around. Uh, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be going for tickets right away. If I apply for media and we get in, maybe I'll give it a thought. But there is a good chance the SWTS crew, again, will be absent from the next celebration. Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's just there's there's a lot happening in 2023 for for my side. I have four weddings to go to. Ugh, when when you we said that, I was like, man, that's right. He is still kind of in his mid-30s. That's not over yeah. yet. But I can assure some of you, if you're going through the wedding slog of your life, it happens to all of us, usually from your early 20s to your mid to late 30s. You're compelled to go because you talk to this person or that person or relatives are, are getting married cousins young cousins it it ends eventually um i haven't been to a wedding since i think i was 36 i'm going to my first one here in in five years this fall so it does slow down but when you said you had what four weddings i i my heart went out to you four four weddings that's, that's and rough we also already have a, a family trip plan to hawaii with my family is our first time that we're you staying at the disney resort yeah of course (laughs) oh yeah my mom and dad like my mom put this one together and she was like oh yeah we're gonna stay at the disney resort and i was like that's totally fine is that the one on is that on maui i forget which island that that the resort's on i think it's on or Kauai or Kauai. i know i i know it's not on the big island or oahu it's one of the other destination islands the city is called Kapole, K-A-P-O-L-E-I. Kapole, Kapole. So I think it's yeah. I don't know which island <laughs> it is. Hey, it's Hawaii. They, they, yeah, they're all it's there, in, right? It's in. It's on Oahu. Oahu. Oh, that's, okay. That's, all right. I didn't think it was there, but yeah, no, that should be pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's good. The, the the wedding. And maybe maybe you're excited for the weddings, but I I just. Yeah, I was a best man three times. That's fucking stressful. And just unless it's your wedding, they're not that fun. Like I know it is kind of. And then even after that, so like we have four weddings. We already have the trip to Hawaii planned. And this is 2023 is when we're going to be hopefully getting into our new house to the mansion. That's right. Just um, house Canada. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yeah, who knows? I mean. With my wife's job, if there's a net jets going over there and we can hop on it for free, get a private jet over, then fuck, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. You just don't know. So there you go. Uh, if you are interested, June 30, 12 p. East, Celebration 2023 tickets go on sale. And now, my friends, it is that time for the fan segment. My lower half is aching like a motherfucker. We're not going to have to rush right. through it like we did last week, but uh, I am going to kind of keep things moving. So, the fan segment, we've got two ways to join. 
First is what we're going to do now, the question of the week responses. So to get in on that, make sure on Tuesday mornings you check us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Look at our stories, look at our posts for the question of the week prompt. This week, we're polling people on their favorite or least favorite aspect of the Kenobi finale. I think last week, we are going to beat a dead horse. And the last question regarding Kenobi will be your overall series thoughts. But today, we asked the fans, what say you about Kenobi Part 6? Let's go ahead and get the screens flopped up here. And we'll go through our question of the week. Bada bing, bada boom. That's right. We were late, so Nick did the old mega grab. So if you got in first, or if you were in order with yeah. ones he liked, you probably made it. So oh, I ha- I have. Oh, sorry, uh, I got the wrong prompt up. Yep. Yeah, I got my bad. My bad. This is the driver. <laughs> Remember, I'm I'm a handicap person. Literally, I have a handicap pass now. We got it from the the DMV yesterday. Okay. So question of the week time, what was your favorite or least favorite part for the angry people there of the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale? All right, Nick. Yep. All right. First, Here we up, go. in the question responses is at SW Black Series Cliff. Thank you as always for your responses and your interactions. Um, I can't stop watching the you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did scene. It's, it's so damn good. That smirk as he says it behind the mask is just great. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is probably a top three all-time Star Wars moment. For me, personally, the, the, the Luke and Vader fight is still my number one. It gets me every time. If I am in the right mood, it will make me cry. It fucks me up because I, I see myself and my father in it and him kind of being an asshole to my mom, my sister, and me beating the shit out of him, wanting to kill him. So there's that type of stuff there. But Black Series Clips is definitely on point. I I do think this is probably moving into my my number two all-time Star Wars moment for sure. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic, beautiful moment there. Next one, another beautiful moment from Lima Four Photos. He says, Prepper Aunt Beru. I wish they could have shown us. <laughs> she had her, she meal, st- her, her meal bucket, huh? Yeah. If she also stashed vats of blue milk somewhere in random Tatooine cake. She watches Alex Jones in between making blue milk runs. She's ready. She's ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> the uh, next up, he says, seriously, though, my, fa- my absolute favorite was the final dialogue between Leia and Obi-Wan, especially the part where Kenobi tells Leia about how she's an amalgamation of the best qualities of both her mother and her father. That was very beautiful. Lima, beautiful uh, Lima always has some of our most educated responses in terms know, of right? using the English language. Yes, for sure. And he's not even from America. He's not from the U.S. either. Lima's right. from, uh, I think he's from where? I the think Philippines, Philippines, maybe. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Lima's from Philippines. Um, uh, Tones1138, always a favorite, says, easily... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Probably the most powerful line since I'm your father. Um, absolutely incredible writing alongside perfect acting and so very emotional. Yeah, yep. That's tone. Yeah, nailed. Um, next up, press pause photography. Of course, it would be easy to say the obvious moment, so I'll go with a small one. When Vader says, did you really think you could defeat me? That line is so soft and subdued. I don't think we've ever heard Vader 
with that sort of inflection before, except maybe it's too late for me, son. I just love how it showed Vader's emotion and how he delivered that one line. In episode five, he says something similar to Reva, but it's in his typical booming voice, whereas here it's soft. I don't know. I just found it very interesting. Um, Another intelligent yeah. viewer. Press pause watches with a more intelligent brain than we do, but we agree. Indeed, he does. Yes. yes. That like, is beautiful. Calling out like a line like that that is very yeah. subtle and said very subtly. I so, love yeah, it. Very, so that, that, that's why we do question of the week. Yeah. Good call out. Press pause photography. And the last one is from JL Toy Stories, and he just says the apology to Anakin was heart. It was. I mean, to see the emotion uh, and everything, like the, the emotion of sorrow from, from Kenobi and then the maniacal emotions that come out of Anakin in that moment. <laughs> That's I mean, a great way to describe person. it, maniacal, because, man, yeah. that dude is twisted and evil, just like Ben yeah. said. I mean, now you see it. Props is right. I need to go back and watch A New Hope because a lot of that, a lot of that dialogue to Luke now is going to have a lot more meaning and backstory to it. Yeah, you know, he's more machine now than man. He saw that, and it, hell, he heard it. He heard the modulated voice while seeing the man flesh, and he yeah. was told how Anakin Skywalker died. And it, he, you know, from a certain point of view, doesn't. It's really not even a certain point of view anymore. It, it's, it's what happened. It's, yeah, I mean, it, the certain point of view is his point of view. Is it's is it's, it's Anakin's point, point of view. view. Yeah, that's yeah, some exactly. deep shit. If you think about it, deep shit. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. so there you go. Like I said, that is the the one method to get into the Star Wars time show, the fan segment. That is the second method. Nick's going to talk about right now, and that is our top five Star Wars featured artists of the week, which we curate. Throughout the week, if you use hashtag Star Wars Time Show and tag us. And, and I do have to make an announcement here. IG's being fucking goofy. We all know it always has been. But I am now noticing that people that just use the hashtag don't show up in the hashtag. It, it's, it's a few accounts and it's some of my favorites. So if you're out there and you're like, hey... How come they're not even like liking my shit anymore? Well, it's it's IG literally is even hiding the the hashtag posts now. So your best bet, sadly, because it fucks up my life, is to tag the account. So I get a fucking DM and I'll definitely see at that point. But tagging at Star Wars Time Show using hashtag Star Wars Time Show. That those are your keys to glory. All right, Nick. So who did you choose this week, which is running six twenty to six twenty seven? So this week's first featured artist is none other than at super underscore scoundrel, super scoundrel himself with the, the, the one image that you could make out of that last uh, finale, that, that Kenobi finale. And it is the broken mask of Vader showing both the, the, the burnt remains of Anakin Skywalker. More tattoo ideas from super scoundrel. Yeah. Yeah. More tattoo ideas. So, I mean, you can kind of, you can scroll through uh, the the additional images here and see both sides the the primarily the side with the mask and then primarily the side with just his face, um, but the the whole image itself is just so well yeah, done. I mean, in, it's in that super scoundrel style. It's that vector art style. So if you're not on screen, uh, well, there you go. If you're not on the live stream, obviously you can't see it. But you know, if you understand what vector art looks like, imagine. That's that shot of the Vader helmet being burnt open, cracked open. 
and seeing Anakin's face and the, in the very illustrative look, it's just, it's a thing of beauty. He, I think he did a couple after the finale and this is the one Nick went with. It, it really didn't yeah. matter which one you picked buddy. Cause they, they, they were they all... both, they both were great. And, um, another thing to clear up. I know a lot of you were like, Hey, um, this is how he got the gash on his head. No, he had the gash on his head after Revenge of the Sith. I promise you. I dug up the screenshots of Hayden in the prosthetics. He has the gash on his head from being burned on Mustafar. It was not from this fight. The cut, yeah. y- you can put that to rest. I promise you. There you go. You even, right. even if you go rewatch it, my friends, you can see how high the dome pops off of his head when he's wearing the helmet. So it's just yeah, it's like it sits like pretty. Yeah. Of I mean, he, he's got yeah. some clearance there to give him, make himself look a little taller. He's, you know, he's pulling like a Tom Cruise trick there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's only, uh, he's only six foot five with the helmet yeah. on without the yeah. helmet. He's only right. he's six. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, that, that's our boy at super underscore scoundrel. He must be making some cameos right now. Cause he's not in the chat wrenching it up, oh, but yeah. Justin is. So we got one of the dynamic duo in here. There we go. All right. Next up is at Tong Wars, and when at Tong Wars puts up an image <laughs> this like fucking this, crazy dude. <laughs> I mean, how do you fucking not? How does this not make a top five? I mean, how does this not have posters made of it around? I know, mean, bro, just like going. Super Scoundrel Tong, I featured two candidates that easily could have made top five. So I was just wondering oh, yeah. which one you were going to pick, but you went with the one where it's kind of from behind Ahsoka's back as she's on this mountaintop staring down this beastly looking full-size lego at at with some tie fighters in the background all on this mirrored lake yeah um outdoor setting i mean it's just like come on tong where do you live like i mean this is just it's beauty this is beauty in it's not even in motion it's it's beauty in stasis how's that yeah so he says, so on his Instagram, it says Central Coast, New South Wales, Australia. So he's definitely got those beautiful views somewhere around his house if he's living. Uh, well, if here he's comes living the, there. the special guest. is She's coming oh, in late. There she go. is. Are you getting ready to wait? What do you got to do tonight? Lacrosse, right? Yeah, I can't do swim. No more swim? No, because it, they start at the same time. Yeah, well, just like last night. You make sure no one can catch you at lacrosse, right? Win that tag game again. I will. Be the best. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we're playing them. Well, whatever game you play, make sure you kick some butt, all right? May the force be with you. Always. <laughs> all right, see you, buddy. Okay. So, yeah, back to, back to Tong War shot. It, I mean, he, he has, in my opinion, some of the most just organic looking Lego shots in the galaxy. I mean, oh, they yeah. do, they do look like they're happening in our world and that's kind of where he shines at Tong Wars on Instagram. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he does such a fantastic job of capturing appropriate scale with these things. I mean, you have to imagine too, that like this ad at that you're looking at, that looks like it's 120 feet tall is probably what a foot tall at most two feet. It, it might. Like, I mean, I, I believe this is the ultimate collector series, so it's it's probably the huge version, which might be around three feet. But even still, 
Yes. The, still, the, the like, perspective he takes in the shot, and you know, we hope you're seeing this. If you're just listening on the podcast, make sure to go to StarWarsTime.net and check out this week's top five. But it's just it's it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's beautiful work at Tong Wars on Instagram. Give it a follow. Oh boy, uh, I can tell you, man, this is where things really start. I, I know my limit here. It's definitely the two yeah. to two thirty. It's, it's the two hour mark. I'm trying, but I know I'm fidgeting <laughs> on here. Hour. Like I got to take a big ass dump or a piss. Yeah. That is not the case. It's my lower back feels like it's rotting out because I've been yeah. sitting for almost three weeks and the old leg is screaming. But we're, yeah, we're, we're so. getting there. We'll give everyone their due. So that that's at Tong Wars <laughs> on at Instagram. Devin just got here. You missed your feature, sir. But guess what? You can go back and listen to the show and it'll, it'll be right there for you. Um, next up in the top five, this is at ChessPix66. Um, a beautiful, uh, I, this is like a really silhouette. Cool it's it's, it's yeah. like a silhouette style shot. I mean, the sun is so low in the sky that ChessPix more or less used it to silhouette his subjects, which are, it's a Tuscan family. Yeah. And then you've got, of course, you've got the, the sun peeking out, which is a trademark of Chespix 66 on Instagram, giving us this purple sky. But it, it's just a fucking, it's, it's a beauty. I mean, this is what he does. This is Chespix beauty in effect right here. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's known for his beautiful outdoor shots. And I mean, this one, the colors that he was able to capture in the sky, like you're saying, the oranges, the purples, the silhouette of the two Tuscans with their animals standing on the top of beggars canyon maybe um you know it, it's just a fantastic image from from chess that so was the canyon sure. they were they were headed towards right kenobi and that's Jim. what i was gonna say I, I i wanted to say i was like was that beggars canyon yeah. i think it might be i, I think, think so it. i think you have to go through there to get to the dune sea and we know that's kind of where he well, he ends up in the judlin waste which i in think the is judlin waste yeah. somewhere around the dune sea but yeah okay cool yep so yeah. at ches 66 on instagram you will not be disappointed especially if you love star wars and sunsets or sunrises that's kind of what he marries together and it always works out yes 100 percent. all right next up is at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. And this is a very clean and tasty shot from Republic Commando. So what we see is the, the, the bros from the Republic Commando video game mowing down some B1s and B2s during the, uh, during the prequel era of Star Wars. And I mean, it's just, it's almost like a poster, you know? It's Dude, almost it's like so this good. is what you would use it, it, to market so the game. Yeah, it, it is. and it these is. are all customs, by the way, from Black Series Customs. That's what 96 Parsecs told me because I was like, yo, this is... Okay. He, he's been doing a series of, the, of Delta Squad all last week, and I think even on Sunday maybe. But yeah, like Nick said, it's just... It's a badass close-up shot with, with, the, with the Delta Squad. I mean, if you played Republic Commandos, you know who I'm talking about. You got Scorch in the back, and I already forget the rest, and I don't really care. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a killer shot the way it's framed, but really the figures as 97 parsecs photography said, they, they really make it, uh, you know, I, I think 97 should also get a lot of credit for the setting up the shot and the posing and, and taking the snap. But really when you marry 97 parsecs photography's skills with black series customs work, you get some damn good looking toy photography. Uh, in the oh, Star Wars universe. 100%. At 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography on IG. 
Hey, well, Grey Goo, yeah, yeah. You, you can get 15,000, 15K hats. That I still have some from 10K sitting yeah. in my basement, so have at it. Just buy, yeah, you can buy those. <laughs> we'll, buy the ones okay, that so didn't it, go at five. Cheeseburger Teddy's telling me this is Boss 7 Fixer. Sounds good to me. All right, moving on. Here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Beautiful. dying here. I, I got to get no, going. Oh, yeah. This is the last one. We'll we'll hit it quick so Matt can oh. relieve himself of I this I don't want to lean back too far because I feel like my uh, my ween's going to pop out. So excuse <laughs> me. Oh, man. This last one here. At Starfellows on Instagram. And what is it? It's a beach mall shot. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's an this egg is attack a- mall, man. Yeah. It's the Egg Attack Mall leaning back on a nice Adirondack <laughs> beach chair. Got a little uh, umbrella with some some Coronas, some Coca-Cola, some Heinekens all next to him. To me, this is what Maul did right after he ran into to, uh, uh, Qui-Gon in the desert the first time. Yeah. They had their little skirmish. Qui-Gon jumped away. He's like, man, I'm going to have a fucking beer. Yeah, he's, Just, like, I, he's like, I won, right? I won. Yeah. I won that little fight. He's like, Put I'm going to go down. celebrate. Yeah, so he pulls, up, pulls himself up a beach chair and umbrella and gets himself some cold beverages, but... Yeah, dude, it's just this egg attack mall. I feel like I almost have to get at this point in time because it's so cool. He's been used so well in the toy photography community that it's hard not to want to own him. He just looks great. I mean, look at this. Look at his fucking facial expressions. It's like. He's, he still he's, looks annoyed. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to like. He, he's relaxing. He's at the beach, but he still looks fucking intensely pissed off. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about this. I mean, it'd be like if you went to the beach, sat in your chair, opened up your beer, and then just turned beet red in your face and were like, I'm going to kill somebody. I mean, that's what it looks like. It's just fantastic. It it does. And this is at Starfellows on Instagram. So make sure to go give them a follow. Very fun stuff on their account. A lot of egg attack, chibi type of stuff. That's your bag at Starfellows. And that's it. That's the end of the top five. Woo! That's the end of the show. Matt, take us to the end so you can fucking take yourself out of this painful hell. Oh, dude, I'm about damn near ready to pass (laughs) out. So (laughs) I'm going to try to make this quick, but you all know what to do. StarWarsTime.net, that's our home on the internet. Plus, these days, with the couch life I've been living, the job of the hut living, the, that, that type of life, just sitting there like a slug and having people bring you shit, I have been doing a lot more short-form content, so please like that stuff, leave comments, and share. Uh, I, I did one today on Instagram, which is also on TikTok and YouTube. Please, that's where it's at. Doing that crap has helped. There's no doubt about it. We, we, we've added a lot of subs on YouTube, added subs to IG and TikTok, but the more the merrier. And, you know, people will watch the stuff you put in your stories or that you repost, just like you do when you repost The Force Awakens Daily or Star Wars Sis or Star Wars Daily. I see it all. If you can do it for them, you can do it for the Star Wars Time Show. Either way, if not, Tell us why. Just be like, you know what? Your shit sucks. I'm embarrassed to, to share it. I'll get the message and try to do better. Uh, but until I hear that, I'm going to keep making it. So please spread the word. That is how you help the Star Wars Time Show. That's how you keep me from wanting to jump off a cliff right now. Okay? I'm in a dark place, but Star Wars kind of brings a little light in, especially when it's with fellow fans that are, you know, are, are, are like-minded and appreciate the, the type of content we put out. So StarWarsTime.net, 
We're on the socials at Star Wars Time Show, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, YouTube. Give us subs if you have not already done so. If you are on the podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts, I can't tell you how important leaving a rating and or review is for the show. It's everything. It's everything. Algorithms rule the internet. Without feeding the algorithm, which is clicking on the hearts, saving, story posting, leaving ratings and review, we get buried on the internet. So help us out, right? It's better than money. It only takes a few taps of the thumbs. It's not going to hurt you unless you hate us and our points of view. Then I get it. All right, my friends, there's always time for Star Wars time. We appreciate those of you that make time to celebrate it with us. Let's just keep growing that army. Let's keep growing that fan base. It's up to you at this point in time because my dead ass, I don't know what else I can do outside of potentially delivering a podcast through my bunghole like Ace Ventura. Maybe that will generate some buzz. I saw Nick's face. He definitely doesn't want to have to look at that for two and a half hours. So spare him and get those likes pumped up, the subs pumped up, the sharing, the comments. You know what to do, Johnny. You know what to do. Besides, we tell you every week. So tell your friends. If you do listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force, the thing that Obi-Wan recaptured, will be with you. Always. Oh,